And welcome to Take 10 with Dr. Jamie. I'm Milton Glick in for Ron Aaron, but this is going to be a great segment. I'm looking forward to it uh, after hearing uh, Take 10 and uh, hearing the uh, great advice and uh, insight from Dr. Jamie and Carol Zerniel. Uh, I'm looking forward to being a part of this. Just a little nervous, guys. Uh, our guest is Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known uh, psychotherapist and expert on caregiving. And uh, Carol Zerniel, as always, is here. She's the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation with over 25 years experience in aging and caregiving. And uh, we're talking to Carol earlier, and Carol is going to start us off with the topic. Is that okay, Dr. Jamie? How are you doing today? Perfect, perfect. Carol always has the best topics, and I'm always happy to play tennis with her, clinical tennis. Good. Let's see how she does. All right, Carol, you're up. <laughs> All right. Time for me to serve. So, you know, we've all gone through this collective election experience um, and it, it seemed like in the election, that, like there are two realities, right? We're, we're kind of a divided country, two realities. One way sees it one way and the other sees it the other. And I was thinking about how that's a, a lot like um, caregiving in that, um, you know, the caregiving, the, the reality of a caregiver is not the same as the reality of someone who isn't a caregiver. And so, Jamie, my question to you is, you know, caregivers living in this bubble of caregiving, in this bubble of COVID, what can they do to um, impact their reality, to take control of their reality, um, and and to to maybe make things seem and feel better? You know, Carol, it's a great question, and, and uh, I know we only have 10 minutes, but you can do 10 hours on this one. Um, you know, we've been living through some difficult times, as, as everybody on this call and everybody listening to us knows. I mean, between COVID, obviously, uh, between civil rights, uh, between this election season, and, of course, wrap all that around, all of a sudden, the person becoming a caregiver. So they episodically never really figured to be a caregiver, but now their entire lives have been turned around. So I described four situations which literally a person has little or no control of at all in our lives. And we're literally to accept the fact that we're powerless over all these things. And here in Florida, we're powerless over a, a Category 5 hurricane. So the reality that you're asking about, for a caregiver is that they have to be on two feet. They have to have be grounded. They have to be authentic in their own values. Um, they literally have to take care of their mind, their body, and their soul, but even more so, and I'll throw it back to you on this one, they have to be building their self-esteem. Otherwise, all of these things will smack them like a building and the building will crumble. Well, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned self-esteem because I was having a conversation actually earlier today with someone. We were talking about how caregivers and older persons can become invisible, uh, you know, out of whether it's ageism or whether it's because maybe they have a, an illness that takes them out of society or COVID. Um, and how does that impact self-esteem, you know, when you are invisible? Well, you know, I work with children and I work with adults, and now I have the fortune of working with seniors. And self-esteem is critical. It is so critical because it literally is the medicine by which we get on two feet, which we can't handle what the world uh, brings our way that we're powerless over. Um, when it's a child, obviously, self-esteem is about them thinking spiritually, or, or if you will, that they can make their own decisions, that they are actually capable of it. Parents not controlling them, over overlooking them. 
and, and, and actually dominating and being an extension of the family is something which is a self-esteem killer. When it's a, and, and kids feel invisible when they have a family that thinks, you know, it's better to, to uh, kids should be seen and not heard. That's an invisible child, and that child will have low self-esteem. Caregivers are the same way. That's why we are looking at the civil rights, and you do it so well at the Roman Terrible Foundation of Caregivers, that we're not invisible, that we have to be seen by the government, by budget, by our family members, by therapists. We have to be seen as a real health care force, because we're invisible. We do have low self-esteem. It's like the New Orleans Saints when they were wearing bags of the heads. But when we're empowered and really looked at as a population, our self-esteem rises, and then we can take care of ourselves first and then a loved one second. So my takeaway from what you just said was that, you know, our self-esteem does impact how we view the world and how the world views us. It is part of that reality. Absolutely. And I to tell you, and I'm going to let everybody into this one, this is a psychological truism. And you know this, Carol, as you work with caregivers. The higher the self-esteem for a caregiver, the lower the guilt factor. The higher the guilt factor, the lower the self-esteem. So as a psychologist, when somebody comes to me, their guilt is high, I almost realize at that point in time we have a lot to do here in the self-esteem front. And what is caregiving? It's a pandemic of, of guilt. I'm not doing enough. I haven't done enough. Where is my mother? This is my father. So it's, it's critical for a caregiver to be really uh, cognizant of the fact that their self-esteem is like medicine in this whole process. So where does a caregiver look to find support, if you will? Uh, do they look for uh, other people in their world that, that mm-hmm. aren't going through the experience? Do they look outside? Where, where do they look? Well, this is going to be a softball for, for Carol because she's really a pioneer <laughs> in this world. Because, uh, But I will tell you this, and you bring up a great point. First, you have to look at yourself. But understand with COVID and isolation of caregiving, there's a concept in psychology called social regulation. And so you have to be socially regulated. So you have to be connected to others. So that's where support groups, whether they're online, which I hate to say is now what we deal with, or in person. But again, the softball I'll throw is to Carol, because she's been absolutely developing an infrastructure uh, that totally answers your question. Yeah, and, and the answer is looking, you know, at caregiversos.org on our website um, with the resources and connecting with programs like our caregiver teleconnection where we can connect caregivers with other caregivers. And I think that when we're talking about reality is that often caregivers think that I'm the only one going through this. It's just me. I'm out here and I'm by myself. Uh, and through a telephone program, uh, caregivers can talk to experts and caregivers can talk to other caregivers and find that connection. And it's a connection through a voice, right? We're living a lot online these days. We're living a lot in email and texts. Uh, but this is the warmth of a human voice, a conversation uh, between professionals and caregivers. Yes, Carol, that emotional support that you offer in Texas, I wish we could bottle it, take it around the country. I know that's how you and I met. We thought caregivers' mental challenges were something that had to be dealt with. There were 60 million at that time. And exactly what you're saying is 100% on point. And I'll just add one thing to that, whether it's online, but certainly in person, you're going to see yourself across from you. You're going to see the solutions and feel the solutions, more importantly, across from you, from a trusted person, if you socially regulate and connect in the system that Carol just laid out. There lies your solutions. Just be humble, let go and allow it to happen. 
So do people who are, are folks that are caregivers, do they resist that urge to, to, to reach out and get help? And then if so, because I'm guessing they do after being a caregiver myself, how do you get them? What advice do you give them to get over that hump, just to, to ask for help, to, to be vulnerable? I'm going to let Carol take this after this, so I'll tell you what. Caregiving, what I've determined and seen since 2002 when I began in this world, is like akin to mental health. You have a lot of shame and stigma. People do not want other people under their tent. They feel like their loved one is infirmed and, and they're, they're breaking down. And unfortunately, they don't see it like parenting, like a condition of life. And so they get stuck in that shame and stigma world. So, but Carol's done so much for it. And uh, Carol in Texas, you know, you're, the, you're the key. You've got about 30 seconds, well, Carol. So in 30 seconds, caregivers often don't recognize they're a caregiver. I'm a son, a daughter, a wife, a husband. Uh, and so, you know, just recognizing that you are helping someone else, you are a caregiver, and there's help out there is the best reality you can give yourself. Very good. Well, guys, we have just about run out of time. You've been uh, enjoying a Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist and expert on caregiving. Carol Zerniel uh, with WellMed Charitable Foundation also helped us today. So you keep uh, finding these and uh, keep getting help from uh, Dr. Heisman. It's Take 10. We'll see you next time. I'm Milton Glick.